without money, what would we do? We got a little idea, we see what's going on. They say, the money is the root of all evil, but ain't nothing evil about money. Because we need that money to pay the bills, to pay the rent, huh? Banks folding, president scratching his head, the economy is down, Wall Street about to lose them, I'm up and down, gas prices up and down, nobody knows what to do. I was a musical comedy actress first career. Oh. Yeah, that was my studies in school. Oh, I, did, I was a drama major at UC Santa Barbara with Michael Douglas. We did oh. a play together there. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So I studied acting and dancing for many years and then I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for a couple of years. Oh, and how great. I got an agent and she moved yeah. away and didn't tell me, which is nice. She said, lose 10, 15 pounds. And then I'll get you out. Uh -huh. And I lost the weight, and she never called me. And after, like, mm. about six months, eight months, because I thought, oh, this is what you do. You wait for your agent to call. She never called. And so I, somebody said, you know, I think she died. And I said, what? And then another person told me she's in Palm Springs. So either you're in Palm Springs or you're dead. But anyway, she wasn't calling me. Um, she was dead to she, you. <laughs> she wasn't sending me out. So and then any auditions I went on, it was just harsh, critical. Like I, I couldn't do what I love to do, which is acting and comedy, yeah. right? Yeah. So it just I, and I just said to myself, there's something else I'm supposed to do here. I I think actors are wonderful and performers are wonderful, but if it doesn't bring you joy entirely, you know there. And I grew up in the um, the business. My all my family's behind the scenes, uh -huh. so it's the business part of the show. Yeah, this is a, an actor told me once at Screen Actors Guild. I was on a committee, you know, just to get to know people yeah. and everything. And an old character actor said, "Show is an adjective modifying the noun business." Yep. And I went, "Ooh," and you know what it. It, as a business, I didn't enjoy myself. I loved it in school because a lot of that. Uh -huh. But I did Hello Dolly with Martha Ray, and the lead guy doing Cornelius had been doing eight shows a week of Hello Dolly for three years. Oh my God. I just, it wasn't for me. Oh my gosh. I wrote my agent a letter, said I'm done. Wow. I played Ermengarde. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, oh. So you were in musical theater too, not just acting, but oh, musical yeah. theater. I, mean, I was carried on come... stage at six months old. Oh. Yeah. Um, That's My awesome. earliest memories are of watching my mother playing Mama Rose and Gypsy, and I would sneak out <gasps> of the camper, regional theater at the Barn Theater in yeah. Michigan. And I would sneak out of the VW van where they put me to go sleep and sit under the seats oh. in the front row and watch. The show, and then I, I would go to nursery school and sing the soundtrack to Gypsy and totally offend people. <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't know what these were. My grandmother nearly oh, yeah. crashed a car one time because I'm like in the back, like in a baby seat, and she said something, and I was like, "Tough titty." Oh, and she was like, "What?" <laughs> like, "No, no, no, no." My sister was like, "She heard it in the play. She heard it in the play." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my so, yeah. Some yeah. people sit on their butts. 
got the, the dream, dream yeah, yeah but not the, the guts <laughs> well that's appropriate for today <laughs> and i've never seen that well, I haven't seen oh. Gypsy. Gypsy? Gypsy is... Yeah. Uh, oh, you... We'll go watch the movie. You can get a, a Natalie and Wood and Russell and Russell. Oh, they no. were fabulous. Yeah. Love You'd like it. You'd yeah. like it. Okay. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, everybody, and welcome back to the relationship show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. I am Miss Jenny. And I'm Wendy. <laughs> and we are here today to talk about everybody's favorite topic, money, uh, and our relationship with money with the fabulous financial stress reduction coach, Chelly Campbell. Welcome, Chelly. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Delighted to be here. Uh, I just want to tell our listeners a little bit about you. Uh, Chelly is an author, a speaker, and a financial stress reduction coach. Uh She's what I like to call a money health professional. (laughs) She assists her clients to push themselves beyond their comfort zones, expand their businesses, increase their confidence, and invite in more opportunities and success. Shelly's created the highly acclaimed eight-week financial stress reduction telecourse, which is going on right now, but there are new signups for it all the time. And she also trains other financial stress reduction coaches to lead financial stress reduction workshops all over the country. So you don't just have to be in L.A. And she also does it by teleconference and and, uh, other technological means. So you don't have to geographically be here to get Chelly's goodness. Chelly's contributed to a long list of books and magazines, TV and radio shows focusing on entrepreneurship, money management and happiness. And she's authored several acclaimed books, including The Wealthy Spirit, Zero to Zillionaire, Eight Foolproof Steps to Financial Peace of Mind. That was in 2006. And From Worry to Wealthy. From Worry to Wealthy. Yeah. From Worry to Wealthy, <laughs> which became an Amazon number one best-selling new release in 2015. So that's just a, a short list. I love your introduction. Thank you. Can I have a copy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll yeah. email it to you. <laughs> that's what I do. That's what I like to do. Yeah. So tell us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, my goodness. I want to know your story. My story. Well, I only wanted to sing and dance for a living, and I slept through math class in school, which I think is important for all your listeners so they don't go, oh, she's going to talk about math. (laughs) Only in a really generic, wonderful, useful, happy, thrilling way where you make a lot of it. And you do have to kind of keep track a little bit. But you don't have to be an expert at math. No, do not have to be an expert. In fact, you can hire experts to do that part of it for you. Okay. We have all kinds of magic. But um, in the beginning, all I wanted to do was sing and dance for a living. Because in my day, to get a job as a woman, you were a nurse, a teacher, or what was the other one? Secretary. Right. That was really it. Those were all the jobs women had. Most of the women I knew, like the mothers on my street, none of them worked outside the home. Where are you from, by the way? Whittier. Oh, Whittier, okay. California. Yeah, wow, okay. Uh, okay, I wasn't born there. Boston, I was born, but that's where I grew up. That's uh-huh. what you consider so, your hometown. Yeah, that's all I remember. All right. <laughs> I left Boston at nine months old, okay? So, remember nothing. Was it the weather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just say, get me a little of the East Coast. Chili? <laughs> a little chili for Chelly? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I always thought I should open a restaurant called Chelly's Chili. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Isn't that a ring to it? Yeah. Okay. Or you could make it 
chili chili's chili and then you could combine it with chili and ice cream because nothing cuts like the spiciness of chili. and we gotta have like that wine that wine that's chilla chello oh, okay yeah, <laughs> we could go, go on, on. yeah <laughs> <Or> lemon cello <laughs> yes, yes. yes lemon cello lemon cello or jelly <laughs> <laughs> it's like a seinfeld episode yes. so you're in whittier singing and dancing singing and dancing i'm sorry did you come from a family of that Singers background oh god no they were horrified <laughs> My mother would go to the beauty shop and read the movie magazines, the rags with all the scandals in them, and she'd go, I don't want you with all those people. And I'd go, I want to be, you know. It was, <laughs> I got to be me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to be a star. I think, really, it was the only thing that I could see where I could be like a business owner. There were no role models for women business owners. That was all male bastion. And I just, but as an actress, you could be free, you could sing and dance, and you could get different roles and then have vacations. That's what appealed to me. So Shirley MacLaine was like my idol. That's it, yeah. And she has red hair, so, you know. (laughs) It was me. And then I I went to UC Santa Barbara, got my degree in drama, went to school with Michael Douglas. We did a show together. It was so fun. And then there was this gulf. It's like everybody was a little enamored of Michael Douglas, right? And I walked up to him one day. We were both, neither of us was on stage, so I go, oh, this is my opportunity. I'm going to go say hi. So I said, hi, Michael. He goes, hi. And I said, that's a really nice jacket you've got. Where'd you get that? And he said, Switzerland. And it was like the gulf between him and me (laughs) opened up. I had never been to Switzerland. I probably couldn't afford that jacket. Mm -hmm. And he was a rich movie star son, and he was going to be famous, and everybody knew it. And I just sort of went, oh, uh, okay, nice talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. And for the longest time, I wrote a story about it in The Wealthy Spirit, my book, um, because I called it Michael Douglas Jacket. And because I didn't know I was already somebody, I thought I had to be somebody in order to talk to a man like that. And and I I felt so... um, unconfident and insecure about myself. And I did that for a long time. I call that now, I say there's three kinds of people in life, sharks, dolphins, and tuna. And dolphins are happy and friendly and successful and gorgeous. And sharks are eating machines, they're bad. And tuna are the sad. The tuna are the victims of the planet. So the people who don't know who they are and they're swimming with sharks, getting eaten alive and they're going, Oh, nice, Sharky. There's really a dolphin in there somewhere. I'll help him find his inner dolphin. You know, I'm so. A dolphin in a past life. Uh, <laughs> so I always say I'm a tuna in recovery. It took I'm a recovering me a while. Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put myself through the, the training program to become a dolphin. Tuna Anonymous. Yeah, tuna Anonymous. <laughs> Good idea. I'll have to do that one. <laughs> So it's all, you know, we're always in a process of becoming. So when show business didn't work for me, I took secretarial jobs because my mother said, oh, you want to be an actor, learn to type, honey, which was a skill I could eat on in between acting jobs. So it was great. So I had this one two-week job, and um, third day the president said, we want you to go full-time permanent. I said, well, I can't do that. I'm an actress. I have to go on (laughs) auditions in the middle of the day. And he goes, okay, you can go. 
I said, what? He said, when you need an audition, we'll pay you by the hour. And if you need to leave, you can leave. Wow. I said, who? You got me. Well, the catch was five months later, their office manager quit and they offered me that job. And now it's money management and it's, you know, figuring out the budget for the company and making sure everything gets paid and open up a branch office and do systems and procedures. I loved it. Who knew? Who knew I would love this? But this is where I got an area to be in charge of, right? Business ownership again, hint, hint, but I wasn't getting it. I was just going, I really like this. And the people were fun. And and that's when I quit acting. I just said, I I like this. As you're talking, I'm thinking of the parallel between being on stage with actors and Mm -hmm. uh, co-starring or, you know, uh, and... And then being kind of the main person, right? The the lead. Yeah, yeah. And so it seems like, life. you know, this is leadership qualities. You're the lead. You have a cast. It's yeah. still an empowerment, but in a different way. Right. And I was still, see, when I was, when I gave up acting, it was because I was offered the lead in Three Penny Opera at the Houston Alley Theater in Texas. And I went, and that would be fun. And that would be great for three months. And then I would be out of a job and I would not have this job anymore. And I'm not going to make that trade. And I said, no. That's great that you had uh, some insight into slowing down your thought process and really thinking about it. Yeah. And I think what I'm interested in is what a lot of people do. They can't do that. A lot of people Ah. just boom, impulse, here's a job. Let me take it instead yeah. of let me see what's going to happen after that. Yeah. You know, so I think a lot of what I talk to my clients about is the emotional aspect mm-hmm. of money. Mm-hmm. There's such a huge emotional aspect, but then there's the thoughts, what you just role modeled, which is let me think, slow down, long term. What does this mean yeah. for the future? Yeah. And uh, when I turned it down, and I knew that I was making a significant switch in right. my whole life. This was something I wanted my whole life that I had done for 16 years, eight years in school and eight years professionally on and off. And I'm, I'm going to give all that up as my whole thought of who I was as a person was as an actor. And now I was going to be an office manager? What is that? And it didn't sound sexy or fun, say, you yeah. know? I didn't have a good image around it. So I had a Shelley really important... Campbell is the office manager. <laughs> the sexy office <laughs> This week on The Office Manager. <laughs> the sexy office manager. It's as sexy as you make it, lady. The yeah. singing and dancing <laughs> office manager. Well, I had a really important conversation with my best friend, who was also an actor, who was also starting to do a multi-level marketing company that she was getting it all involved in. And I said, but how do I give up this and do that? And she said, well, what is it you get out of acting? I said, well, I like the people. I like the fun we have. I like um, attention being paid to me. I like the applause and the acknowledgement. Um, and I have a lot of fun. She goes, what do you like about this office job? I said, well, I really like the people. And I get a lot of applause and acknowledgement. And it's a lot of fun. She goes, same list. Make the switch. And I went, 
and I got it. It's about the internal value, not the exterior value. This front that we try and put up to everybody and say, well, people like me because I've written books and I teach classes and I'm a speaker and I'm funny. That isn't it. That doesn't have anything to do with why people like you. People like you when you're genuine and when you care about them. This is the most important thing. I got a chill down my back just talking about it because it's all about focus on the other person. It's like to be a good actor, you have to really listen to that other person talk to you on stage. Yes. And it's the, the responses that happen without your even being consciously aware of it just from listening. And if you do that as a coach, as a therapist, as a speaker, I got a very important message one time when I was first starting to speak. And you would think, oh, actor, singer, dancer, she's going to be a natural as a speaker. Uh-uh, uh-uh, totally naked and exposed because this is me. I was hiding out behind all these characters. Yes, yes, <sighs> hiding out. Hiding out big time. Mm -hmm. Little Chelly, who always felt inadequate, Okay. Hiding out and putting on the big show, and I could do it on stage, but I wasn't the person that could talk to you outside of it. Mm. You know? Now, did you come from money? No. Middle class America. My dad was an aerospace scientist, worked at Rockwell. Smart, smart, smart. But always watched the pennies because he grew up in the Depression. Let me just tell you. Yeah, that. Marked a number on that generation. Oh, my my father's, my grandmother and grandma, grandfather got divorced during the Depression because they were living on a farm, scrabbling in the dirt, no running water, no indoor plumbing, nothing. And they finally split up. And my dad always said for the longest time that he went to boarding school. But in his 90s, he confessed that he was a foster child. Well, that that was a bombshell. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm. I I think it's fantastic that he got to the point in his life, even if he was in his nineties, that he was able to to say it. To, yeah, to, to like relieve himself. This is what of it really this, was. Yeah, yeah, of this truth to own it. Yeah, and um, oh, interesting sidelight. When my dad passed, my two sisters and I went to clean up his condo. And we said, we're just gonna take our time and we're not gonna hurry. We discovered 53 ring binders of letters. His father, my grandfather, had saved every letter my father ever wrote to him since he was nine years old. Oh and when my mother married him, he started saving those letters too. So I have my mother's letter to him saying, well, I'm in a family way, and they were planning my birth. Wow, that's okay. So cool. And my dad was going to um, MIT then. He was a fellow, a fellow at MIT. He was a brilliant man. Oh, he was a genius. But the the money thing was always very tight. I remember on Sunday afternoons after church, sometimes we would go and drive and look at the beautiful homes, uh, the rich homes in Pasadena or Beverly Hills. And there was always a lot of ooing and aahing and isn't that beautiful. But there was never a discussion of how we might get one. You know, that yeah. was... For house, the other people. Right. Yeah, For that the, was the how the, you yeah. know, the hoi polloi and how they live. It, it, there was never a conversation that might be attainable right. for any of us. 
So that I never thought about that then. I just knew that we had a budget. And let me tell everybody, budget, B-U-D-G-E-T, stands for Baby, You Deserve Getting Everything. Okay? <laughs> this is my, I made that up because I want people to know that it isn't just a restriction. Because people don't budget because they're afraid it's going to tell them they can't have all that mm -hmm. stuff they're having. And what I use it for is a tool to get you to be able to have it. Okay, here's the money right now. Maybe it's low budget. But what about a high budget? When you get your ducks in a row, when you get your business off the ground, or when you attain that high-level job that you want, what's that money going to be? And how are you going to spend it? So make a plan for that and visualize it and affirm it, you know, and work towards it every day. Then you've got a better shot of having that happen. Absolutely. But I was raised with the, the little envelope system where mom took dad's paycheck, paid the regular expenses, and then cashed out for the uh, discretionary spending. So there was money for entertainment, money for clothing, money for this and that and the other thing. And whenever we came home for, with a request, I want to buy the school jacket. Okay, let's go to the envelopes. And we would sit there with mom. She would get the envelopes and we'd look and see if there was, you know, in clothing. No. How about school activities? No. Well, we can take the entertainment money, but that means you can't go to the movies this month. Okay. We knew it was a choice. But the responsibility, the role modeling, oh. old school, yeah. that this generation does not. They, they don't just, get it. They don't. It's me, me, me. I want, I want. The selfie generation, it's all about. And you got credit cards. It's, we it's didn't have credit cards. Impulsive. And it's, we had it's cash. Just acting on impulse yes. all the time and keeping up with the right. Joneses, especially in yeah. the affluent community. All my friends have this. I got to have that too or I can't relate. And these families are going bankrupt. I mean, they're definitely so uh, overextended, but they still want to what I call, you know, smoke and mirrors, right? It's yeah. just what it looks like. But internally, behind closed doors, they're coming to therapy, they're, you know, it affects their marriage, it affects their family, it affects their individual uh, internal world, anxiety, Huge. depression, they turn to addiction. It's such a, a, a very scary thing. So for you to be able to just, it's I get that visual with the envelopes. And yeah. I still know people who do that. Uh -huh. And it really works well. Uh-huh. Well, and I think what's also really interesting about that role modeling, because mm -hmm. I certainly did not have that, mm -hmm. uh, is that your parents did that with you. you yeah. Know, that, that you, that they included you. Do you have siblings? Yeah, two sisters. So that they included you, and in, I'm assuming your yeah, siblings, oh, yeah. in on that process so that you had an understanding of it in a very, it sounds reasonable way. Uh, yes. I mean, we have a lot of kids come through who, it's almost frightening to me how conscious they are about how much everything costs which isn't necessarily a bad thing but there's also this idea that you know well i'm just gonna get it like that they will just give me it mm -hmm. you know there's an mm -hmm. there's an entitlement factor even though i hate that word uh yeah. but you know thinking that they're just gonna get it from their parents and their parents don't want to deny them because they the parents feel like they're bad parents if they don't but the kids are so aware of how much everything costs and then they measure their own worth against how much things cost. But they're not being taught about the budgeting and the working for it and the meaningfulness of it. It's right. Like, you know, one good pair of shoes that's $300. Like, I have a pair of Gucci loafers, which, although I need to replace them now. Now I think they are, like, $500 now, but when I 
bought them. They were like $300 back in the late 90s. I yeah, still yeah. have this fucking pair of shoes, you know? Yes. But it's not going to change. The same style still exists today. So if you're buy best... quality and you can wear yeah. it forever. Yeah, if you're going to spend a lot of money mm-hmm. on something, it should be some. I, this is my. I feel like it should last, you know? But then you can buy a pair of, you know. $20 flip-flops or, you know, something from the bargain bin that you're only going to wear for a year or two and get rid of those. But these other shoes I've had for, you know, 20 you years. You can buy anything <laughs> you want to as long as you know what's in the envelopes and what you're giving up in order to have that because you're always giving up stuff. Right. See, but it's that's a choice. the problem is technology. Uh-huh. So nobody sees money anymore. Everything is technology. Even, you know, I'm old school with my uh, scheduling. You know, I have an old at-a-glance scheduler. Mm-hmm. I'm a paper too. pen person. I need to make lists and see it paper, pen, like good old-fashioned concrete, not in cyberspace. If it's in cyberspace, I'm not going to be aware of it. Even if you give me five, you know, dings on my phone, it's, it's, it's the tangible. You must see it, and this generation is they just don't see it. So like you said, they live on credit cards. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, how many kids do I know that just charge everything on their parents' Amazon account? Mm-hmm. And I laugh because my son has, he, he keeps me current with all the technology. And so one yeah. of the games he used to play that made me crazy is this game. I forgot what it's called. And you can buy these magical crowns. And the oh. more crowns you get, the higher levels you get. And then the kids have to go to the parents' to get more crowns it's kind of like crack i call it the cracky feeling right yeah and so yeah it is it's and, that endorphin rush totally right? absolutely and, and, and he would say i gotta get more crowns and i go what's going on with you there's something going on with you mm-hmm. you jonesing and mm-hmm. i said let's sit down and talk about it are you telling me there's a man in hawaii sitting down having a pina colada laughing because he's charging these magical crowns yeah that are nothing right. they're nothing except yeah. internally they're validating you're better if you get 10 more crowns yeah no you can't do it yeah <laughs> you know but i think it's brilliant for the man who's sitting in hawaii he did something good yeah, yeah absolutely i mean that you know the whole technology about getting the kids stuck on you know on 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 all this magical kind of stuff the internal world mm-hmm. um but, but like not you just said, about the, the kids addiction. i mean it's adults oh I mean, yeah how oh, many yeah, for sure. how many invitations every day do i get on facebook of so and so wants you to play this and so and i, oh, yeah, I don't yeah, do yeah. any of those things but it's it's constant. I mean, adults are just as guilty of it. Oh, listen! I play the little slot machine games on my uh, on my phone. I play, so- I play, <laughs> I play is solitaire. Is that free? Yeah. Okay. It's free. Yeah. You can buy chips. Yeah. And I I will admit to I've bought the crowns. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a budget for that. Okay. See, you have a budget for it's it. It's part of my entertainment budget. And if I want to spend my money that way, I get to. Because yeah. I'm in charge. But yes. it's not getting out of hand. Because I've done the getting out of hand thing. <laughs> but that's the problem is there is no budget. Nobody is talking about boundaries. Yeah. Right. With finances. With money. Well, kids well, still aren't taught that in school. No, they're not. They yeah, think, oh, you've got to learn too. this at home. But if your parents don't know, they can't teach it to you. Right. And then again, then it just is putting you into a position where it's more difficult for you to rise up in the system. See, it's very difficult for people when they have unlimited access to things and they get used to having the things then to deprive themselves or to do delayed gratification. Oh my God. 
<laughs> Instant oh. gratification takes too long, right? Yeah, right. There was someone on TV just talking about that nobody wants to feel feelings anymore. So yeah. they just they they can't hear no. They can't hear not. You know, we don't we don't have the money. Yeah. It's a very prideful thing instead of just owning and being authentic and saying I don't have it. We can't. Um, you know what I tell people to say? Huh. That's not my budget priority right now. Oh, now if you said that, uh-huh. if I, no, that's not true because I, so my husband didn't grow up with money and yeah. I did grow up with money uh-huh. and I, I was the kind of person who felt like, uh, well, I just expected money grew on trees. I really did. Mm-hmm. The blessing is I saw a workaholic dad who's still 86 now and working and doing what he loves. Okay. Um, he's a producer, director. We, but we grew up in Beverly Hills and we came from Chicago. Yeah. And uh, my mom was, uh, you know, in show business and then she had three babies and whatever. But really, uh, we grew up where it was, we never learned about the respect of money. Yeah. Because my dad came from a very poor background, he didn't want us to go through that, so he did the opposite. Right, right. And like, but so then you know you had a young adult who, or me, my brother and sister, who just kind of expected like, wait, you know, what, 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 what are we doing? You know, because we we didn't have any tools. We just didn't. We just didn't get it that yeah. that uh, like we can have whatever we want whenever we want it right right and um, then I woke up and then that wasn't true and then oh, that hurt yeah. my feelings. Oh. <laughs> um, but my dad always said, "Do what you love, and the money will come." Right, and I which always, is not true. By it, the way, it isn't true. No, interesting. No, okay, you can do what you love. I know a lot of people doing what they love, and they're broke. It's how? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if you have a poverty complex going on, you'll just give all the money away. You won't ask to be paid well. You'll because it, you know. Well, I'm doing what I love, so I don't have to make a lot of money. And then you feel broken, impoverished, and you don't get the stuff you want. So you're not validated for yeah. the thing that you love. Yeah. Got it. You, so do what you love and make the money follow is the way the book should be written. <laughs> and so let me just um, reframe that. Yeah. My dad said, do what you love and the money will come. Yeah. And his behavior that I witnessed day after day to this very day is you work really hard. Right. So Which that's is another... No- the nonverbal message I got. But yes. I definitely got that because my whole family were all workaholic. I mean, work that in something that we love, but we work hard. And this is another dynamic that I think needs to change really badly is that everybody thinks you gotta work hard. Well, why not work easy? Work smart. It works smart. And don't overwork. The reason people wanna retire, everything's, everything in our society you hear about money is from financial planners who want to convince you you're going to be old and sick and broke and you got to save all your money now because that's how they make money is by investing your money, right? That's all we hear about. And I am the anti-retirement girl, okay? (gasps) It's like Dame Judi Dench, the English actress, she wrote an autobiography and furthermore, I love it. She says in there, people always ask me, she was 79 when she wrote it. She said, people always ask me if I'm going to retire. She said, people retire to do what they love. 
I'm doing what I love now. Why would I want to stop? There's always going to be a part for a little old lady in a wheelchair. Right. You know, so I'm looking at, I love what I do. I'm empowered by it. I love helping people with their money. I love helping them be successful and fulfilled and happy and joyous and rich. So why would I ever stop doing that? To do what? To play games on my phone? Right. Uh, to sit and watch television? Do you know the average retiree watches 49 hours of television a week? And people are so frightened about running out of money, even when they have plenty of money, they go sit at home and they go, well, this is the time I'm supposed to travel in, but I don't want to spend the money. Because they're in the habit lifelong of saving money, fear, not of spending. Fear, 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 fear. All fear driven. So when did you get the message that you had that, okay, so you got your full-time job. Yeah. And when did you kind of, you know, okay. develop your system and... Well, what happened was um, that job lasted four years. Then I went off for two years and worked for a motion picture production company. I thought, maybe I want to do something on the other side of the camera. So I worked for the acknowledged worst boss ever in America, Scott Rudin. Okay? If if you look him up, he's yeah. just like, he fired 283 assistants in one year or something like that. Well, I got him early. Yeah. <laughs> I think he fired everybody because they weren't me. Well, that's I, it. There you, go. you know, that was it. <laughs> um, but I this is partly when I'm figuring out the tuna thing because I was a tuna. I had left a bad marriage where uh, I was treated badly. And now I have a boss who's yelling and screaming. And I read a book called uh, When I Say No, I Feel Guilty. Huh. And that was a really education of a tuna book. Uh, you have a right to say no and to stand up for yourself. So Don't the, be a victim. Yeah. So the next time he yelled at me, I asked him, please not yell at me. Ooh, that's huge. I don't think anybody had ever said that to him. I said, I need to respectfully request he yelled at other people this was edgar sherrick scott's partner at the time and he was a screamer he screamed every day as long as he didn't scream at me it was okay but then that one day he screamed at me and i went in the bathroom and cried for 20 minutes but i was already reading this book and it said well it says uh you have a right to stand up for yourself and you have a right to say no and okay so i'm gonna because i'm gonna have to quit otherwise because i can't stay here with this so I went in and I said, excuse me, Edgar, can I talk to you a minute? He goes, yeah. And I walked in and I said, okay, I need to respectfully request that you not yell at me ever again. Wow. And he said, uh, uh, and I said, I just had to cry in the bathroom for 20 minutes and that's not good time management for you or for me. Uh, and he kind of went, well, you shouldn't pay any attention. You know, that's just me. Right, it's it, your fault it, it, some you way. Know, like, you got to be tougher. You got to. Yeah, he said, it doesn't mean anything. I like you. You're doing a good job. I said, well, it means something to me, and I don't want you to do it. Wonderful. Great. And he said, okay. Oh, my God. And I walked back to my desk, and I went, he said, okay. I thought I was going to get fired, but he said, okay. What was that feeling when you, I mean, I know it's so long ago. And no, I, I remember I, the feeling exactly. I'm seeing myself walk to my desk in total shock. Uh, total shock. I was just, I felt like out of my body, unreal. I, I couldn't believe that he said, okay. That it worked. Well, it worked for three weeks, and then he yelled at me again. I went and cried in the bathroom again. But one of the instructions in the book is repeat yourself. Ugh. Broken record. 
So I went back in and I said, excuse me, Edgar, could I talk to you a minute? He goes, yeah. And I started closing the door and he started apologizing. Huh? He said, I know. I said I wouldn't yell at you again. And I didn't. I'm sorry. And it won't happen again. And it did not. Wow. Nice. Yeah. You know what happened to me? I got so much respect in that office. Yeah. Because it was you asked for, for me. it. I asked for it and I got it. And if I hadn't got it, I would have said bye. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be yelled at every day. That's ridiculous. You were not held hostage by the paycheck. No. Because your Listen, dignity. I know I can get another job. See, that's one thing I always knew. I was a hard worker and I'm smart. And I know I can find another job. You don't like me. You don't like me. I'll have another job tomorrow. Good for you. Screw you. Yeah. So I did have that part. But in, in the relationship with people, I wanted them to like me so yeah. much. You know, that good girl box, I was in it. Everybody has to like me or I'm doing something mm -hmm. wrong. Like, I'm in control of you and whether you like me or not. Now I know there's two kinds of people in life. Your people and not your people. Mm -hmm. And not your people are never going to like you no matter what you do. You might as well give it up now. I just cherry pick my people. Yes. The people that love me, you're in. Uh -huh. Oh, Chelly, I love you. You're so wonderful. So are you. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't like you and I don't believe what you're saying. Okay, bye. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. so easy. Well, I have something called fuck the audience. So I'm sorry that I my F word, my F bomb. No, I love that. I, I say if, if it, you know, it doesn't matter what the audience thinks. You do what you love. You be authentic. Yes. If you know you're a loving, caring, giving person and they don't like whatever, you know, we do a lot of social media. We yeah. do our podcasts, our YouTube thing, whatever. We just want to, you know, educate people, empower people. But if you don't like my message... I'm not your cup of tea. Go yeah, and find, find somebody another therapist, else. another friend, another whatever. Our job you know? is just to hold our hand up and shine our light powerfully and say, this is who I am. If you like this, come here. Yeah. Otherwise, go away. Yep. I took a workshop, an eight-week marketing workshop, and the thing I most remember is he said, in all your marketing, you want to do two things. You want to attract the people you want and repel the people you don't want. I went, What? I had never been taught to repel people. I was all ears. Yes. Give me more of that. <laughs> so, you know, all of these educational things are happening. I'm reading self-help books like mad, trying to improve myself. And then I, I after uh, two years with that production company, I said, there is not a job on the other side of the camera that interests me at all. What I really love is that bookkeeping that I did, you know, that office manager thing. So, God, send me another job like that. Swear to God, two days later, I open up the paper, manager for small bookkeeping service. I went, um, there. And I got that job. They thought I knew a level of bookkeeping I didn't know. And, but I just sort of uh, went, well, I'm new here, and I'll I get to that learn. question tomorrow. Yeah. I went to the store, and I bought accounting made simple and bookkeeping the easy way. So smart. <laughs> I read every night. Well, there was also a guy who worked there who was studying for his CPA license, and I said, you know, all this bookkeeping, they think I know. I don't know. He goes, I know. <laughs> So I made a deal with them. I said, I'm going to build this company. I'm going to get more clients. I'll get you a raise in three months. You covered me on the technical stuff. He goes, okay, deal. Ah. And I did it. And they made me a partner. And that's when the entrepreneurial life boat went on. Ugh. I went, okay, 20%. I've got ownership. That's going to mean something. I'm going to work hard and make that mean something. And then I bought the company. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was coaching. That took four years. 
And then I was coaching my clients because they couldn't read the financial statements I gave them. And I realized from looking in people's checkbooks and stuff, the dysfunction around money. And I went, nobody's been taught it. So I started consulting with people and saying, okay, let me show you in in your financial statement here what this says and what this means to your business. And you're losing money on this thing and you got to make more money over here. And three people in the same week said, you should teach this. You know, when three people who don't know each other give me the same message, I think it's a message. Yes, for sure. I yeah. call it follow the breadcrumbs. Right, yeah. yep. right. The clues are being left all over. And I went, okay. I've been to motivational seminars, you know, and I, Tony Robbins had a, a, a infomercial running every night on cable. And I watched that and I went, no, no, that isn't what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the big room things. I've been on stage. And that is uninvolving to me because you're doing a performance and you're getting applause and laughter, but it's not it's intimate. Yeah, it's limited. So I, I had also done group therapy where it was small and intimate, and that's like a rehearsal of a play. I said, that's how my setup is going to be. So I have a maximum of 10 people in a class so everybody shares everybody gets personal attention everybody talks about the issue about the fear i wanted to tell you that since it's okay to to use language um fear i learned in this motivational program it was called hypmovation okay it was (laughs) self-hypnosis to motivate yourself okay and they said f-e-a-r stands for face it examine it accept it reverse it which is a handy way of, you know, looking at the challenge of your fear and what it means and accept that everybody has fear is okay. And then a lot of people have said it stands for false evidence appearing real. But a woman in my class once, I told those things and she said, oh, I thought it stood for fuck everything and run. <laughs> <laughs> So now I tell that story every time in class. So, yeah. And I I would imagine you have to have, because Jenny and I love to run groups. We do that often. There's a certain level of intimacy, confidentiality, trust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must be, you know, I think there's a lot of shame and embarrassment and guilt. Oh, yeah. Opening up, being real, responsible. We think it's hard for people to talk about sex life or, or issues with their boss, but talking about Money, Money, even worse, you know, because it has to do with your worth and your ability and who you are. You say it out loud. Yeah. So what do healthy relationships with money look like to you? When you, when you look at somebody and you say they, they're doing it right. What does that look like to you? Well, first of all, they look happy because if it's not making you happy, you're doing something wrong. You're either in the wrong job or you're not charging enough or whatever. So I want to see happy, and I want to see I make enough money. And the concept of enough, it's, here's the thing. There is no security in life. There's none. Get a grip. There's not a house that can't burn down, a stock that can't lose its value, a job you can't be fired from. And here we are trying to get enough money to feel secure. There's not a number that will do it for you. What you have to get security in is your ability to cope, your ability to create an income, your ability to do something that's valuable for somebody else that will give you money in exchange for it. And I have lists of things that I could do. And that keeps me 
from feeling desperate, oh, I haven't saved enough to retire tomorrow and live off my savings. Because truly, if you do the math, only 8% of the population can do that. Now, a game that we're all playing that only 8% are winning is a broken game, and we have to do it differently. And we have to be invested in our groups and our families and more sharing and more caring. And to have one guy, Jeff Bezos, have $90 billion, what does he need another billion for? He's talking about philanthropy now. But what gets the short circuit is the rich, rich people then want to give to the broke, broke people. But what about the healthy middle? We need the middle to be strong. It's like Henry Ford doubled the salaries of his employees because he said, I'm not going to be really successful until all my employees can afford to buy a car. Right. So the, the thing that they're making, yeah, they want them to be able to buy. Yeah. Right. So instead of having the rich, rich CEOs and board of directors and they keep it all to themselves because who's more fear driven than a guy who needs $90 billion? Really? That's what they need. And they're playing one-upsmanship, you know, and that whole male dynamic has to shift. And that's why women are coming into power now. That's why they're hearing from us is because we're demanding the change. We're saying this has to shift. We have to be more other-centered. We have to be our group. Our planet Earth needs healing. And we're not going to do it from being in our own little group over here that says everybody else is wrong and bad. No, everybody deserves a shot and everybody deserves to be able to sleep at night and to have somewhere where they can go and put in a day's work if they're in between. Let me put in a, something for the government. I'll come down and sort mail today, you know, and, and get my food. We, we need those options for everybody. And then it wouldn't everybody just be happy and giving and sharing and, and connecting? Yeah. I mean, what do we think we're here? My dad, the aerospace scientist, we looked at the moon and the outer planets and Arcturus, you know, and the closest star system. And when the Hubble Space Telescope went out there and showed several billion galaxies never before seen, you know, there's a hundred billion stars like our sun in this one little galaxy that we're in. So, and we're all alone here. Right. Yeah, well, if we're all alone here, that's a big frickin' miracle. And we better be paying attention to these other beings on this planet because how precious are we? Yes. And if we're not alone here, which was kind of my suspicion, that's a big miracle too. And what's the opportunity to get that and get connected there? It's all fun and it's all glorious. But your purpose on this planet has to have meaning for you or why get up? Yep. Why watch another television program or play another slot machine on or the phone? Or... Waiting to die. Yeah, Just I'm not waiting. waiting to die. I'm going out kicking and screaming. Right. I, I'm going to be working up until the day I die. I hope the last day of my life I've just completed my class yeah. and say goodbye and good night and keel over. It's a job well done. Yeah. And yeah. celebrate. Celebrate life. Yes. And, and like you said, there there's such a disconnect. Nobody looks in each other's eyes anymore or you know gets dirty anymore with volunteer work yeah. or helps other people just to walk across the street 
there's such this, uh, you know, avoidance with the technology and not staying connected. It's an easy thing to get wrapped in the phone. But you know what? I think social media takes a big rap and a big hit that's not fair. People say, oh, all people are doing on Facebook is bragging about this and that and that. I go, you got bad friends if that's all that happens. Get better friends. Come over to my Facebook page yeah. and take a look at my friends and what they're commenting and then go friend those people. Yeah, That's how you do it. I give that instruction to all my people. Uh, I say, okay, connect. we got to be Facebook friends. Now you go look at other friends of mine right. and go connect with them yeah. because they're writing awesome stuff. I was never more politically active in my entire life as I was this time because people were posting things. That I, I was I got so much great news that way and tipped so off to, you know, Pantsuit Nation and all that kind of stuff. And um, I, I just, I loved it. And I took a long time to think about whether I'm going to, I send out a newsletter, you know, and I'm going, am I going to write about politics? And I went, how can you call yourself a thought leader and not write about this? Especially if it's important to yeah. you and something that's you're yeah. invested in. This is me and not my people, my people, okay? And I'm not making people of the other persuasion. Well, I'm a Democrat, a social liberal. Um, but I have some Republican tendencies, too. I call myself a Republicrat, okay? Like <laughs> because fiscal responsibility is huge for me. So I, I believe in some of that. And too much government regulation, I can get behind that. But when they start getting their personal freedoms, uh, you know, well, we want our guns, but we want to tell you, you got to have a child if you get pregnant. You know, sorry, you lost me there. So I wrote this newsletter and I called it the Great Unfriending of 2016. Because <laughs> people were unfriending people right and left. Yeah. You know, and if you were a jerk about it, I was going to unfriend you. You know, if you're a reasonable person and can talk about issues. And I had some gangbuster conversations with deep-in-the-wool conservative people who were considerate and talked about what their yes. beliefs were, and I answered what mine were, and we agreed to disagree, but it was beautiful, and we love each other, okay? And we need that, too, yep. because what is supposed to happen is the Republicans and the Democrats get together, and they compromise. Well, I care deeply about this issue. Well, I care deeply about this one. Okay, we compromise, and we get something everybody can live with, and that's how we make progress. I heard a discussion about this, too. Uh, I think it was on Pod Save America or something where they were talking about how do you uh, broach these subjects with family members and loved ones who are of a different political persuasion because it gets so heated and emotional. Mm -hmm. And then there isn't a mature conversation and exchange of ideas. And they were saying the best way, and I thought this was very insightful, to approach it is to try to connect on a values level, right? Mm -hmm. So that understanding issue. that, yeah, that their gun issue underneath is something about what they value and what yes. they fear, what they love. Right. And, and it may be the same thing that you fear and love, but it just expresses itself differently. You have a different idea and solution to it. So yeah. if you can kind of see it from that point of view and meet on that plane, then the likelihood that you could have a mature conversation or 
maybe find a compromise is going to be elevated. I finally got my brother-in-law to stop listening to Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, point for me, this was, <laughs> you know, years long, decades long, but, you know, and, and he listens to me and we talk and we have a considered conversation about values and stuff. I think there's just sometimes a lack of understanding that the people that are homeless or drug addicts or whatever are not just like you. They haven't had the same advantages as you. And, you know, to understand how somebody might have fallen into those traps and to have compassion, it's not that you're working hard for your money and if they just worked hard for theirs, there wouldn't be any need for this. You know, it's really a much deeper conversation and problem than that. So I just try and be a spokesperson for that conversation. I'm not trying to ram any my beliefs down anybody's yeah, throats. Exactly. However, right, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it is also about role modeling because I also feel for myself, even if I'm triggered by something that somebody is saying, I try to remind myself, like, okay, reacting is not going to change the situation. It's not, it's just going to turn the volume up as opposed to neutralize or turn it down. And so I just try to listen and become, but at a certain point, if, if the other person can't match that, then I have to sort of step away. I'm, I'm, but I'm not going to come closer and try to engage more. It's kind of that your people, not your people kind of thing. Well, there's either an opening for you to get through or and a listening, or there isn't. If they're willing to listen, you can tell. Yeah. And then you can speak. But speaking to somebody who's not listening isn't going to get you anywhere. And reacting in anger doesn't... Shelly is a work in progress on this issue, okay? <laughs> but I also don't want to be... I don't want to be fodder. I don't want to be an excuse to justify their position either. Like, well, you're just another one of those crazy liberals that you can't, when people mm-hmm. say, oh, well, you're liberal. You're, that actually bothers me. And not because I think that there's anything wrong with being liberal. Mm-hmm. I am very socially liberal. Mm-hmm. But like you, I can understand fiscal conservatism. And, yeah. and I, I have a different idea about it than some people. I understand the excesses of bureaucracy yeah. that can be uh, need to be contained. But generally, I feel like, and this isn't just in this scenario, it can be in any. Like, I don't want to give somebody another person to point to, well, look at that, you know, like, well, you just can't talk to those hippies, you know? <laughs> you can't talk to those screaming right, liberals. Right, 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 right. Those, you know, those, those well, people if who they're... love those commie jude dykes, <sighs> you know, I, you can't, you know how they all are. It's like, what? <laughs> well, I think our ability to get through to those people is very limited. Yes. I, because their mind is closed and they are not listening. Right. So not my people, and I don't go there. Yeah. But the person that says, well, how can you think that? And I really want to know. I'll tell them why I think that and why I think that works better for all of humanity. Because we got all of humanity to consider here. And I think, you know, the balance sheet is one thing for a corporation, but I want there to be a happiness balance sheet. The happiness balance sheet is how not how much the CEO is making and how much the shareholders are making and how much the company made in profit, but how did you dispense those profits? And are your employees happy, fulfilled? Do they get to have a life? Are they working a grind of 80 hours a week? See, that's why people want to retire, because they're working too hard. 
you should work 30 hours a week. 20 is even more better. So I'm I'm doing 20 now, right. which I, I love. Yeah. You know, that's my semi-retirement program, which just basically means I'm still working, but less. I take a lot of time off to play. And people okay. people call me Friday afternoon. I say, well, I can't talk now. They go, why? I say, I'm playing poker. I don't work Friday afternoon. Yeah. So I'll talk to you Monday. It's like I don't have my cell phone on my business card. My answering machine at home says, um, I'm not here right now. If you're calling with good news or money, please leave your, here's my cell phone. Uh, if you're not, then leave a message and I'll call you back later. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but that's basically it. And so boundaries. when I. Your boundaries yeah, are very firm. I'm and real clear. Healthy. Yeah, and I make people laugh about it. So when I hear my answering machines, people are laughing, which uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, so that sounds as if you are describing your life as an example of a life with limited financial stress. So what does a life look like for people who have a high level of financial stress? What do you mean by that? Because being a financial stress reduction coach, mm-hmm. you know, so who, who, who are the people that you can help? Um, the people that are working too hard, not making the, the fees that they want to, if they're in their own business, um, they're not charging enough. They'd like to charge more, but they're afraid of the reaction. Um, people who think that it's all about saving money. I said to one girl in a workshop, I said, so let's say you make your goals and you're making another $100,000 a year. What are you going to do with the money? I'm going to save it for my retirement. I said, are you that anxious to retire? Yeah. I said, maybe you ought to look for different work because you shouldn't be that anxious to get out of it. See, here are the statistics. Let me ask you a question. This will be interesting. What percentage of the American public do you think is age 65 or older? Oh, it's a high percentage at this point. Um, oh, great. I, I don't Just know. Just guess. I, 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 I would say 35. Mm-hmm. 50. 13. Oh, hey. <laughs> Lower than This is how we've been brainwashed. What? Everybody's going to be old and sick. Not that many people live this long. You know, you're going to live to 100, that whole news they're selling. It's not so. If you look at the percentages, and I looked it up because I wanted to know this. 29% of the American public dies before they get to age 65. A third of those people are dead within two years after retiring at age 65. The percentage of people that's 90 and above is 1.4. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Over 80%... People over 80, that population is 4%. Wow. Yeah. So if you're not living now, if you're waiting to live until you retire, you're blowing your life. I want you to live now and just know you can get a job. You can get work. You can find something to do. What do you say about people who say, I can't get a job. I can't work. There's nothing out there for me. What do you say? Tuna. Right? Tuna. They're not willing to, though. Yeah. They're looking at all the negative. No, no, no. But I know a lot of people who say, I would never bag groceries. I would never serve coffee. Ah. So ego. There's so much ego. Yeah, there is. What do you say about people who have high-powered jobs and aged out? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of people in 40s, 
50s, 60s. Open a business, be a consultant, train other people how to get to that high-powered job. They don't want to put the work into it. Scale down. Well, then you get to be broke and unhappy. Right. Sorry. Right. You do have to put some work into it. Anything you want in life. What did you get without having to work? But it's not fancy and shiny like their old life. Well, invent something. You got a creative brain. You got to a high-powered job. There's depression. There's anxiety. This goes to what she was saying, too, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think you're both both saying the same thing, that if we are... If we are externally focused, if our locus of control is outside of us, we're never right. going to have control over that. And right. No matter how mu- how big of an illusion, you know that is. I was thinking about this recently. I, I don't remember why, but uh, like getting to a point of success where you have a really expensive car and a really big house, and you're buying like stupid amounts of whatever because you can. I like, call it- I- I call it fuck you money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so you've got tons of fuck you money, and you're like, oh, yeah, $450 for that purse? No problem. Sure, I can, like, that's nothing. But the day may come where that's not possible. You don't have the fuck you money. If you have an internal locus of control, then not being able to buy the $450 purse would be like, okay, but they're no, not. Used I already to... have a four hundred and fifty dollar purse. Why do I need another one? But they're not I used to not having the fucking money because it's the behavior. because they yeah. measure their worth by yeah. Oh, yeah. how many four hundred and fifty dollar purses. Yeah, by external they, values. Yeah. That's external values are yes. never going to give you internal security. Yes, and never. And, and buying that crap for yourself or for somebody else doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't make your kid love you more. Because you buy them, you know, a certain brand of something. I mean, they will say, you know, I love you or whatever, of course, you know. There's so much but, fun you can have for free. I'm telling you. I, my A friend and I used to take a day off once a month. And it had to be a work day. And we took it off. We called it cruise day because we had been on a cruise together. And we had so much fun. We wanted to continue it. So on cruise day, we always check with each other ahead of time to see if it's high budget or low budget cruise day. High budget cruise So day. clear. So good communications. Yeah. Just specific, detailed, clear. Like I use the traffic light. I ah. say, are we in the red? Yeah. Are we yellow? Are we green? Perfect. And can we play with a little yellow? Yeah. You know, I'm always about the traffic light because with couples, whether it's sex or money or yeah. parents and kids communication, are we red today? Are you feeling red? You might be red, but I'm in the green, you know? See, yeah. Here's the thing. High budget cruise day, we go to Nordstrom's, we go to a concert, we have theater tickets, we go to the Shishi restaurant, you know. Low budget cruise day, uh, we watch a movie on Netflix or we get get a a picnic lunch together and go sit in the park or go to the beach, you know. Uh, One time we went to the art museum and had tea on the terrace, six bucks, you know. the importance was we had every bit as much fun with each other on low budget for cruise day as high budget because it was the relationship that was the fun. And you're not swept away in keeping up with the Joneses. No, because we were honest. We were both working on the money thing, you know, so are we in good honest shape? Or bad yeah, shape? that's true, too, because there's a lot of people who talk about, and I, and I felt this feeling in the past in my life, you know, where everybody is doing something and you want to be a part of it, but it is so far outside your budget or whatever, or even what you think you can afford. So it just feels sad. Some people will just go ahead and do that. Other people will 
make up an excuse rather than to say I can't afford it or or it's a low budget it's not a budget priority this is not for my me. priority right now I'm right. Bored there's judging. Doing other stuff there's so much judging going on oh can you believe they want to split the check that way you know oh, yeah. I know where some people really are on a budget it's true. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't hear it often, but I, I'm sure they, they have it, and I, I, I'm so empowered when I hear it. Like, wow, you use the the B word, you know. But they'll, you know, go, you know, we're not going to split it all equal. If I just had this and I came here for this, I know. And then people go, oh my god, could you believe? Can't they just put in a twenty or forty? Like, what's the big deal? You know what? Anybody who judges me over that shit is somebody who's not my people. <laughs> you can get out of here. Yeah. I went to a, 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 let me tell you, this. I was robbed at gunpoint in my garage once. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, it was very mm-hmm. frightening. Um, and he said, give me your purse. I gave him my purse. Give me your jewelry. I took my jewelry off. He goes, lie down on the ground. I didn't like that very much. And then some other car came in the garage, and he ran off. Oh. And so I went up to the, it was a condo, big complex, and I went to the management office. I said, I was just robbed at gunpoint in the garage. Go, uh, what can we do for you? And I said, well, I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I don't smoke, but I need yeah. a cigarette. I, I no. used to. I, I, I quit finally, but... Um, I, I didn't, at that point, I needed a cigarette. Right. My cigarettes were in the purse that he stole. Please get me one. <laughs> oh. So I sat there and I told him the story. And and uh, they said, well, you're really calm about this. I said, all he wanted was my stuff. I'll have better stuff tomorrow. Mm. And I really did feel that way because several years before that, I had been attacked at 3 o'clock in the morning in my bedroom. And I fought the guy off, which was amazing. Jesus. So, you know what? The guy wants my person, no, no biggie. Right. So, but anyway, the next day, I was going to an all-day conference with, a, you know, a woman's business conference. I had no money. No, you know. So, I called my girlfriend. I said, um, I, 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 I don't have my license. I don't have my credit cards or nothing. Will you drive me to this place and loan me, you know, 50 bucks or whatever? And so, she did. But we, I went to lunch with a group of people, and I was very careful to just buy soup. You know, I wasn't that hungry, and because I was a little upset too, so just a little bit. Sure, my God, they, a little shaken. Oh they were having, you know, the steak and the hors d'oeuvres and the wine and everything, and they go, the check comes, and they go, well, we'll just split that. I said, I'm not going on board with splitting all of that. I only had soup, so I'm going to give you, you know, twenty for. The extras or whatever. And this one woman was so angry. She was livid. And then I realized later it was because she needed me to help her pay. Mm. She had planned on it. Because mm. she wasn't doing well financially. Uh, well, sorry, but I wasn't a party to that. And that was not right. agreed to up front. I'm not doing it. I'm... So secrets always come out. Yeah, you'll always do. get busted. You will get busted. You might as well just live free spiritually, eternally, externally. Well, that's, there's an expectation that that person had too that wasn't communicated. Yeah, that's... hitting agenda. I'm gonna dine out on steak and lobster, and you're gonna pay for it. Well, no. Yeah, I just blew that up, and she was not happy. And you know what I love about your story is thank you for sharing such personal, personal things. Um, that even through the traumatic things that you have shared, you did not use that as an excuse to to not 
continue to better yourself and live from the the best place that you can you know because that's a great if, way to go because of that life has beaten me down and so i might as well just get into debt or i might as well do this or I might see well if that happens that guy who robbed me wins yeah i am not going to be broke because of him right. all right i can get more money he's got to rob somebody else to get more money the poor slob i mean really I, I, I feel infinite sorrow for him. I am okay. I am always going to be okay. And this is how you get financial stress reduced, is you start honoring how you have put yourself through this life. You are still alive. You are still able to walk and talk and be of service to somebody. And if you can be of service to one person, you can make an income. And then you never are going to be homeless. You're, you you might go through some bad times. Not saying you won't lose your car or file bankruptcy. It happened to me. Mm-hmm. Okay? I lost my condo to foreclosure in one of the crashes. My uh, my business, my bookkeeping service that had been cooking and doing so well. We had one big client that was 75% of the income. And they left and left me a hold in the bag for the lease and the everything. And I... Did the best I could, but ultimately, I, you know, the bank owned me, and I had to give it up. So I so, filed bankruptcy. So Titanic—that's what I call Titanic, right? Part one of the movie is so beautiful and idealized. Yes. And part two is the hell happens. Yeah. But I always tell people about part three of Titanic. Yes. There is a little rescuing at the end. Yeah. People are saved. You find that beautiful jewel in the water right. or the ocean, and and there are survivors. Yes. Right. So. Y- you it's the just story you focus on. Yeah, it depends. Are you stuck in the part two of the story, or does nobody remembers part three, which is the rescuing and the picking up right. and the living life? Well, it's only money; it will go away. It's always changing pockets, and it'll get back to mine someday. I can't wait to read your books, by the way. You are so Thank empowering, you. really. Thank I, you. I just, it's so inspirational. And I think everybody should really check you out, really. Yes, Thank you definitely. so much. I can spend all day talking to you guys. You're so fun. So uh, just two things I want to touch on before we, we wrap up. And uh, so so many couples talk about or have conflict around sex and money. Uh-huh. And so for a couple having some money issues what what's what's some advice you might give well i got really good advice here for this okay you gotta have a family meeting you gotta decide who's contributing what to the budget and then you're gonna have to figure out how you're gonna spend the budget and each partner has to have these are the things i cannot live without list and these are the things i'm willing to let go of list and then you combine them. And my dad always said, marriage is a 60-40 proposition, and you always feel like you're the one giving 60. <laughs> you know, each person feels they're giving the 60. Right. So you make your compromise, and then you live with it. And then you periodically have budget meetings. You know, if somebody loses their job, okay, reformulate the budget. What are we going to live without? And if you do that, I always say do low, medium, and high budget. 
and have the numbers worked out ahead of time. So if the disaster happens, you know, the, the car gets destroyed or somebody loses their job, you immediately go to the low budget. You know what you're giving up because you already made that decision. It's easy to do. You, you let your hair grow long. You don't need to go to the barber, you know. Um, That's actually something that I, I've told couples as well, that they should have a monthly budget meeting yeah. for for that reason to also lower the temperature on the conversation and having it be contained so that it's not just in passing while you're driving or this or that, you know, so everybody knows this conversation is going to happen. Yes. And it, it becomes very much like, like business. Like we're just doing the business. It's not emotional. This is not a marriage is a business right. and you're Big talking time. about the partnership Yes, right. and the business the of the business. partnership, well, aside from relationship and bliss and all, all of that, there's a financial underpinning and it has to be in because you're both contributing money to the marriage. Or maybe the uh, one of the partners takes off to do child rearing because child care costs as much right, as exactly. an income. So you might as well do it, a lot of families are finding. But it's a partnership, so make those decisions together and then you won't be arguing about money. Now, one thing you must have on the budget is each person has to have their money that is separate, that they don't have to account to anybody about. Now, I learned this when I had a boyfriend. We lived together, we bought a house together, and we had our allowance. And then he needed a new car. And I said, well, that's fine, honey. I think we should budget for that. But how are we going to get the down payment? And he said, well, we're going to use our allowance that we've been saving. And I went, saving? I haven't saved that. That's my money to spend. And he was so mad. He had been saving all of his. I said, you know, it costs more money to be a woman in this society than it does. I have to buy nylons. I have to buy That's dresses. Right. I have to have heels. I have to makeup. have makeup. You know, uh, I have to have my hair done. All of these things cost money. That's what I do with my allowance. I'm glad you're able to save it. But, you know, that's your history and your background. Yep. And you're a guy. Yeah. And also, it doesn't sound like he the was assumption. talking to, yeah, yeah. That there's an no, assumption that swoop you're doing what I'm doing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can just dip into yours. But That's I, what I, makes right. people crazy, is they assume yep. you're doing what they're doing. Yes, the expectations. And so, one of the things, because you, you talked about that a little bit in one of your books, and, and, and the idea of having your own little money to spend, I feel like if you've got to be accountable to the other person 24-7, it's not like about holding a secret, but there's something about feeling like a kid. Like for me, like, you know, having to go and like ask for something or be accountable, like, well, yeah, I did buy some makeup because it was, oh. you know, breaking or something. Oh, I mean, that was would on make sale. me feel like a child. It well, would make me feel like I'm a fucking adult. Yeah. I, you know, I. So what happens when people feel like that? They hide it. They don't talk about it. Right. They just, oh, I lost, or I was, it was stolen, or you they know, go they, underground. Like they right. or they get credit yeah. cards that the spouse doesn't know they anything about. And, and I've talked with people about that. And if you don't think that ruins a relationship, because that person's got a secret and it's bad, and they know if they tell it, they would have a big argument, and they don't want to tell it, and they want to get it paid off, and. They oh, and the bringing in, oh. uh, you know, boxes and gifts and clothes and shoes 
you know, when the spouse is sleeping or not there, that's always fun. And then and then it messes with the other person's reality. Like, honey, isn't that a new shirt? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. The lies began snowballing. Gaslighting. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and all that's, that's more stress. Yeah, and that's financial stress that you're putting on yourself in yeah. those situations. So if what's, what's one small thing, one small change someone could make tomorrow after all of this that they might be able to do to tr- start building a better okay. relationship with money? This all starts from a desire to have it change and to change your mind. And I believe in the power of affirmations. Start telling yourself phrases about money that are empowering. Like, people love to give me money. I am rich and wonderful. Even if it's not so right now, you're working your way into it. And you're planting by rote messages in your head. Because we have thoughts every day. And like 95% of the thoughts you have every day are the same thoughts you had yesterday. So we have all of this inculcated phraseology around money that's negative money doesn't grow on trees money is the root of all evil and it's disempowering so we have to train ourselves to think something else and then when people say money you're like people have to give me money and you sit up and you look happier and more successful and that's more attractive and people want to hire you then see so it all works together now affirmations are the law of attraction but that isn't enough it's not the law of abracadabra. It's the law of attraction plus the law of action. Because the people that just want to do affirmations, I go, well, how many affirmations would you have to say in yeah. front of a piano before you could play it? How many affirmations right. equal a right. Gucci, you know, yeah, loafers? Yeah, Gucci bag. Yeah. You know, how's that working? But I, like, I love the idea of, like, just sitting at the piano. I'm an amazing piano player. Yes. Like, clonk, yes. Clonk, clonk, clonk. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, no one knows. Yeah, you got to do some groundwork in the physical world. Yes. There's metaphysical yes. and physical. Do the footwork. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the mindset, and which I know is such a big part of your approach. It's huge. It's so much. Yeah, it's huge. It's the it's preparing the ground with fertilizer so you can plant the seeds that will grow, and then you got to plant the seeds and water them, and you know. And so, if if our audience is out there planting the seeds we like to give them a little exercise to do in dr wendy's dream journal dr wendy's dream journal ah so i started a dream journal when i was uh, i think a teenager and i listened to a lot of tony robbins stuff yeah yeah uh, but uh who's the other money guy that's wonderful he's uh uh dave ramsey yes do you do you like him i like him to a degree Uh he's really good but you know enough of the bean live on beans and rice until you get this paid for uh, he needs more creativity, which I think about earning money. How can you earn money? It. How can you double your salary? How can you be worth more? How can you ask You're for a raise? Talking about attracting as opposed to yeah, yeah. Or... I don't want you to just work them with what you got now. The withholding. I want you yeah. to have more. I love that. And just a quick question: Do you? What do you think about Susie Orman? Well, Dying to know what you. Oh, think. Maybe that's another episode. <laughs> so curious what you think. In a nutshell. Uh, and then we'll have you back again to really, because you have a lot. Okay. There's so much about her, positive and negative. I'm curious. She's really she's really too school mermy for me. Like, shaking a figure, you've got to do this, and you can't afford you're to bad, do that. You're, you're, you're bad. Wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. She did an uh, article in O Magazine 
about age-appropriate expenditures. And this woman wrote in and said, I'm 48 years old. I, I've worked hard. I've saved nine months worth of expenses so I can open my dream business, cake decorating business. Can I do it? And Susie said, if you were 22, I'd tell you to go ahead. Oh. But the 40s and 50s are the most important time for you to be depositing into your 401k. I wanted to strangle this woman. That is uh, not okay. And I wrote about uh -uh. it in From Worry to Wealthy. Uh -uh. And I said, that is not it. Dream, you do your pressure. dream now. You oh, don't God, forget yes. about retirement. Yeah. I'm an anti-retirement gal, right? So yeah. she's all about retirement. Well, she's an investment counselor. And I was going to say, doesn't she get back? She gets, and I don't know too much, but I saw there was something on YouTube about that she gets on the back end a whole thing of getting paid oh, by sure. tons of credit cards and banks and everything if she gets everybody to direct into sure. buying into the retirement. And you know. know how she got where she is. Basically, it was a publisher who said, I think it's time for a woman to write a financial book. I'm going to look for somebody to be the face of it. So your workshops and books, are they mostly geared towards women or is this for everybody and anybody? You know what? I am more geared towards women right now. I've had a lot of men take my programs, but I keep getting invited to speak to women's groups. And so naturally, those are the people who come and, and sign up. And I think I have a special voice for women because women are under so many difficult things. There's a gender imbalance. There's men are, are dominating in every area and we just need to take some power back. So, and I'm all over that. So to kind of right the balance. Yeah. So, so as far as a dream journal, Dr. Wendy's dream journal. Um, yeah, when I was a young adult, I just did, uh, uh, began a dream journal where I just wrote all my dreams, all my wishes, and just put fear aside and made a list of all the things that I want to accomplish. Yeah. And so far, I have check marks uh, yeah. on all of them because I just, you know, I, I just dreamed. I allowed myself to dream. And so um, one of the things that I suggest to clients is writing a letter to uh, wealth. And dear wealth, this is what I hope, this is what I wish, this is how I see my life. Um, you know, just really dreaming, just dreaming yes. about all the things, getting really crystal clear and specific. And, you know, if it's one house or three homes, do you like hot weather, cold weather? Do you want to ski? Do you want to, you know, I, you know, integrating volunteer work, you know, uh, helping you know, it's not materialistic things, but it's just also healing. There's so much trauma in past lives about what people saw growing up. Yeah. They saw that really bipolar-ish split between somebody spends a lot, somebody saves a lot, or the secrets or whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, or the first part of the dream journal can be a little bit of goodbye to the trauma part of what you saw. And then, you know, really welcoming in empowerment of how they really want their lives to go. Yes. And I Beautiful. also say uh, really important to find a mentor, you know, find yeah. a mentor of who is doing what you love. And you're my new, you're my new woman on my women's list. I always have a woman's list of strong, empowering women okay. that um, that I learned from. And it's just so wonderful to have you here. And you're oh. on my list. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. That thrills me. I'd love to be on the list. <laughs> it's not a good list. When my mom was little, she would say, you're on my list. And I'd go, take me off. Take me I off. Know, I know. Because I, I knew know. it wasn't a good that list. That was a bad list. This yeah. is a good list. Yes. This is a good list. Yeah. Yeah. Put me on a good list. Well, you guys are wonderful. It's been so fun to talk. But you can see how I get empowered by this work. That's yeah. what work is supposed to sound like when you talk about it. It sounds like this because you guys are engaged. I'm engaged. We're happy. I'm 69 years old. Uh, Why would I retire from this? This is my life. And you're this blinged out. You got all the little shiny, blingy I do. to your toes. To your gold shoes. Your I gold love it. Shoes. I want to sparkle. You do sparkle. You do. I'm blingy too. I love bling. Yes. 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 I love it. it. It makes me happy. Yep. I See, that's the number one thing is let's be happy. So what makes you happy? What brings you joy? Get it in your life today. Not when you're 65 and want to retire. If you hate that job and you're working too many hours, stop it. Do something else. Yes. And can they call you if they need to consult and brainstorm with you? Please call okay. me. Even on my website, it's like free consultation. Uh, Sign up here. I'm calling you. I love to talk on the phone with people. Can't wait. Where do we find you? Where do we find you? Is it Kelly with an... C H E L L I E, Chelly. Chelly.com. And my email is Chelly at Chelly.com. So if you get the spelling of my name right, <laughs> and she's you got on, me forever. Yes, she's on Twitter at, at Chelly Campbell. She's on Instagram at Chelly Campbell. She's on Facebook. I will, of course, have all of this and links to her website Yay. and books and everything in the show notes. Uh, do you have any other like tips or resources for people? My favorite do? affirmations list is a free download on my website, too. So you can just start chanting those every day and just watch what happens. Love We're going to be starting it today. We're going to <laughs> get a chant yeah. on. Uh, so as always, you can find me, Jenny with an I, at Jenny JV Wilson on Twitter and Instagram at The Preppy Rebel. My email is jenniferjvwilson at gmail.com. My website's www.jennyjvwilson.com. We're both on Facebook, Wendy and I. Uh, I'm at Jenny J.V. Wilson, and she's at Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Associates. And you can find Dr. Wendy on her YouTube channel and Twitter. Oh, Twitter is uh, at... What? Oh, ask Dr. Wendy, Dr. Wendy. And uh, Instagram is I am Dr. Wendy. Yay. And, and we would can... love to hear from you for any emails or... Uh, any questions, we love to answer questions, and we will definitely refer you on to Chelly if you contact us, too, because sometimes people just like to call us and say, can you connect me? So yeah. we will definitely be referring to you. Cool. And uh, our number, 310-712-1230. And you can email the show at relationshipshowla at gmail.com. And thanks for listening, and thank you so much, Chelly, for coming. Oh, it was wonderful. Thank you. And as I always say, be as authentically yourself as you can possibly stand and as dr wendy always says stay open and that's it yeah. yay yay awesome oh, this was so fun you know, you know, you know, you know, curious about money makes the world go round the world go round, the world go round. Money makes 
the world go round. It makes the world go round. External values are never going to give you internal security. Now, this is my job. I will not quit it. Pulled me out the depths when I thought that I was finished. Yeah, I question if I could go the distance. That's just the work, regardless of who's listening. Listening, listen. See, I was meant to be a warrior. Fight something amongst me. Leave here victorious. Classroom of kids. Or revenge you performing. If I'd done it for the money, I'd have been a fucking lawyer. Concrete, vagabond, band telling stories. Humbled by the road, I'm realizing I'm not important. See, life's a beautiful struggle. I record it. Hope it helps you maneuvering through yours. That's why we stay in the lab at night. I've been staring into this pad for over half my life. A true artist won't be satisfied. So I guess that's the sacrifice. And I said, make you the money. Don't let the money make you change again. And let the game change you. Uh, I forever remain faithful. All my people stay true. I said, yeah, I'm not waiting to die. I'm going out kicking and screaming. Right. I, I'm going to be working up until the day I die. I hope the last day of my life I've just completed my class and yeah. say goodbye and goodnight and keel over.